mom's alive. I think his dad's dead. Yeah, his mom fucked Professor Oak. Wait, is that canon? No, it's like a fan theory or something. There's uh, 500 Pokemon now. I gotta catch 700. <laughs> Meanwhile, my mom's getting double teamed by Mr. Mime and Professor yeah. Oak. <laughs> See my family's enemies. Professor Oak has all this information on the on the new Pokemon. He just keeps updating the Pokedex Why every time Ash gets close. I already know everything about him. Yeah. <laughs> is this the point that you fill your Pokedex? Just. Discord. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, we're going to start this thing. <laughs> okay. All right. Nine nine ninety nine. Everybody remember? That's when Skyrim came out. <laughs> <laughs> that's wrong. I thought that's when the Twin Towers went down. <laughs> no. That was 420. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Nine nine ninety nine. A day that will live in consumer history. And no, I'm not talking about the debut of Britney Spears' Baby One More Time at the 1999 MTV Music Video Awards. Was that award that was one that's most jerked off to by old man in the world? <laughs> yeah, they no, still doing that award to this day. <laughs> the Cash uh, Me Outside Girl 16 stopped jerking off to her <laughs> music videos. Oh. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm I am talking, of course, about the Dreamcast, uh, the highly anticipated white little home console from '90s gaming juggernaut and old nemesis to Nintendo Sega. Why well, gotta be white? They had a, a black one. I think that yeah. was like the sports yeah. one, which made me sound more racist. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that, that's, it's almost and like that's I dug you a hole. You didn't get out of everybody. Yeah, yeah you, know, you tricked me. Yeah, I did. <laughs> In, in what can be described by many enthusiasts as both a success and a failure, just how in the world did one of the most sought-after products of the year by such a respectable and historic gaming company suddenly crash and burn into oblivion, thus making uh, the, a once great giant to stop producing hardware in the competitive space forever? This is the rise and fall today, and, and Chris is here to tell you the story. I'm Randall Beatrice, here with Austin Blakesley, mm-hmm. and our first-time host for today... Chris Anatona. This is a nightmare, and I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, no, you're ready. We saw your block of text. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Oh, I've been watching a GIF of an octopus for like 20 minutes. Okay, let me switch back to the script. <laughs> Why? So, <laughs> we're doing that. I don't know. <laughs> so this is Hot Button. What's up with the Sega Dreamcast? What, why was it so contentious? And how did it fail despite being so beloved by so many people that just can't let go of the fact that Soul Calibur 2 is better than Soul Calibur 1? <laughs> You bite your tongue. <laughs> Did Soul Calibur 1 have Link in it? I don't no, think so. No, I never played Soul Calibur 2 with Link in it because the GameCube is a trash console. Would you play Chris. the one with Spawn in it on the Xbox? Yes. <laughs> Spawn sucks. You uh, suck. <laughs> Whoa! You better get beat up. Spawn's awesome. Is he? First yeah, he has the right. black consoles, the sports console. <laughs> yeah. Now Spawn That's sucks. <laughs> Does he have a handle? Let me guess, you hate Blade? Black Panther. I haven't seen Blade in a long time. <laughs> I actually remember kind of enjoying Blade. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. We're not let's talk about movies. <laughs> you brought it up. I brought Sorry. it up. Well, I started to do this Rise and Fall Dreamcast episode, and then like kind of found out that the Dreamcast was kind of just like the end of the rope. Like it was exciting and all, but like yeah. the real reason it failed is because Sega just notoriously just fumbled over and over again since <laughs> yeah. they started making consoles. So They shot into the space really quickly and then fucked up apparently a bunch of times and then yeah ten that was their 10 last or 12 effort. years they were just out of the game completely yeah so like i've seen like a lot of research tells me i guess this is the history of the company itself where they came from because it's a really fucking weird story that most people i probably are not aware yeah. of well i'm gonna go through every kind of console do a little bit about the release in north america and japan yeah there's a lot of like weird little stories i found space. from releases in europe and stuff like that but like most of its focus is around Japan and North America, because that's okay. where all the interesting shit happens. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's start with a quick little history of the company itself. Mm-hmm. Sega begins with the founding of Service Games Hawaii Terrible in name. 1945. <laughs> Wait a minute, hold on. Wait, what are they? 1945. What? Is Sega sh- a shortened version of Service Games? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. What? <laughs> Uh, yeah. So it was founded in 1945. That famous Japanese company we're talking about, it was founded by three white guys. <laughs> Irving Bromberg, 
His son, Martin Jerome Bromberg, and my favorite white name of all time, James L. Humpert. Um, Wait, it was founded John in Hawaii Sager. in 1945? Yes. Yeah. Rough time. Yeah. <laughs> For Inspired really? by Pearl Harbor and all? <laughs> That's what the Japanese were doing there. <laughs> all right. So Irving had already founded a vending machine business and a coin-operated machine business, which just don't even bother Googling coin-operating machine. It's they're so boring and like just stupid shit like put a coin in and look at a, a woman moving on a horse or something. Like, <laughs> Spin the wheel. The tech is just the worst. Time. Yeah, life before 1980 um, so, was garbage. So Humbert and uh, uh, Irving's son naturally brought him in because he had that kind of engineering and Humbert. business tech. Okay. It's a good um, name. So... In 1951, the Gambling Devices Transportation Act banned slot machines on U.S. bases, <laughs> which I can't believe it took that long to ban Wait, slot machines. did they machines. ever lift that or slot machines? I left? think that's still probably a ban. <laughs> um, so all those coin-operated yeah, no machines fun. and gambling machines that service games were making, they were in trouble. So Service Games Hawaii sent salesman Richard Stewart and uh, engineer mechanic Raymond Lemier... I think um, that's right. Who cares? Yeah. These people are probably dead by now anyway. <laughs> uh, they sent them to Japan to look for more opportunities, and they ended up founding Service Games Japan. Um, over time, they build up, open up more factories across Asia. Um, they move into Europe, and they become one of the major slot machine companies in the entire world. So they run that gambit for a while. Right. And uh, in May 1960, Service Games splits into two entities in Japan. Right, this is kind of like Sega's this. history. They yeah. keep just splitting up into different organizations, coming back together, moving <laughs> apart. One is called Nihon Goraku Busan, or Udomatic, uh, or Udomatic. Better than I could do. <laughs> yeah, in, uh, in America. And that was the distribution company. And then uh, Nihon Kikai, I think it's Kikai, uh, Saizo, or Sega Incorporated, Sega. as they called it. And like you said earlier, they took the name from some abbreviation of Service Games, S-E, Service, G-A, Games. G-A, so, Games. Udomatic becomes a pretty big company on their own in the 60s. Um, they distribute jukeboxes by a company called Rockola. That's dope. Yeah, and I found a story. So, um, <laughs> we're, we're not that far into this. There's already so many brilliant company names. Oh, yeah. Rockola, Udomatic. Yeah, it's pretty good. And so, yeah, so I was look. I just kind of like just kind of followed a little rabbit hole in Ruckle, and I'm glad I did. Yeah. So I found this story. Their founder, David Cullen, um, he was linked to Chicago organized crime. <laughs> uh, apparently, so much so that he was like indicted on a ton of charges, like racketeering and all the classic kind oh, of gee, like the uh, Lily uh, uh, yeah, 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 all that shit. Um. But he also uh, managed to escape a jail sentence by probably some weird mobster shit. And then afterwards, <laughs> the company manufactured the M1 Garand rifle the for the world that's, for the U.S. Army in World War II. Yeah, that's, that's a comeback that's, story of a lifetime. That's the, literally the, the rifle that pings. Yeah, yeah that's, that's like that, yeah. the main gun. It shoots the hot like, yeah. lead case out. So yeah. thanks, uh, Chicago mobsters, for that one. <laughs> so oh, after man. their stint distributing jukeboxes, they decide to make make their own in Japan instead of distributing because they were being made uh, in the It's a Garand US. or Garand? 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 I think it's Garand. Garand? Yeah, Garand? Sure. Yeah. I don't remember. I've heard it said by 12-year-old <laughs> Call of Duty fans <laughs> a different way. Um, so they decided to make their own so they could sell them at lower prices. They okay. asked the sister company, Sega, to manufacture them. And this led to the first Sega the product. The Sega Jukebox! The Sega 1000 oh, I, I, I want to see if there's a picture of this thing. You keep going, but I want to see it. Meanwhile, there's former Air Force officer named David Rosen. He's kind of just hanging out across Japan. Our names are getting less silly now. <laughs> and uh, he has a pretty successful business importing coin-operated instant photo booths in Japan. Um, How instant we talking? <laughs> well, I mean, this is like the 60s or 70s, so it's kind of like Polaroid era. Okay. He decides to import electromechanical arcade games, which, if you don't know what they are, they're kind of like your classic, like, bubble hockey you're like it's kind of not really um it's a combination of kind of like digital and analog technology yeah isn't it? like, it's like a weird combination like it's not quite arcade games as we know them yet but also it's not uh pinball. oh my god pinball i couldn't think of what pinball was called it's also not Yo, pinball like it's a little bit more look at this thing it looks that. like a newspaper stand on an old person's <laughs> it looks like a cigarette machine <laughs> it does look like a cigarette machine <laughs> oh man that's great 
I want I want a Sega 1000 in my house. We got to find one. I'm sure yeah. they're expensive. Yeah. So uh, eventually, he makes his own with the help of engineer Hisashi Suzuki, who ends up being in Sega almost up until the first like actual video game console. Oh, so, really? That was pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. He helped engineer a lot of stuff. Um. So they make their own Udomatic by Sega. <laughs> so they go back to being one company again, oh, and man. then they merge with Rosen Enterprises. Gonna need uh, a to- like a like some red colored yarn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> side note. I think he, Hisashi Suzuki, did you say? I think he went on to help form Square. Really? Wait, really? Mm Mm-hmm. That's pretty, yeah, I'm not sure. I I just looked up that he was just stayed at Sega for a Mm -hmm. while. I'm pretty sure he left Sega in the arcade days and then went on to form Square. That's awesome. Because that that (laughs) name sounded familiar to me. That's pretty good. So, basically, David Rosen of Rosen Enterprises merges with the two companies, uh, Sega and Udomatic, and they create Sega Enterprise Limited. And a year later, they release the electromechanical arcade game Periscope. So if you look this up, it's like weird, like you have literally like a submarine periscope and it's like fake water in the box and you like (laughs) shoot like LED light, like like things at like enemy submarines. It is absolutely entertainment for like the era of stickball in the street. Like it seems it's just like, it's so dumb, but this is a massive hit. And apparently I looked up as credited with reviving the dying arcade scene in America. That's insane. That's just, just people for hours would sit around shooting LED lights at fake submarines. What else are you going to do? That success. Sides get drafted and go to (laughs) Vietnam or whatever. (laughs) So they continue to innovate electromechanical arcade games. And eventually they're purchased by some big media conglomerate called, Gulf Western in 1969. So they keep uh, Sega Enterprises Limited in Japan, and the Sega that's bought by Gulf Western stays in America. Um, Pong becomes a huge game in the 70s. Pong, which is, Pong. What's, yeah. what's that <laughs> which one is about? Almost <laughs> as stupid and boring as the Periscope game. I am a defender of Pong. <laughs> Except the arcade cabinets or Pongs are, are bullshit because it was on a, the wheel ball. That game was like ridiculously hard and the, the paddles were so small. It, like The way that we envisioned Pong is like later when it was on home consoles when they made the paddles longer and it was on like joysticks. Jesus. That was the real Pong. So the American <laughs> branch pairs up with the North American company called Gremlin Industries and they make a bunch of garbage 70s video games like Pong <laughs> and uh, other hey. weird things. Um, <laughs> Uh, none of them are worth looking up, but uh, they do make a yeah, name Pong for themselves later on in the early '80s with Turbo. Turbo. Now, Turbo is one I've, I've absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it came out in 1981. <laughs> it's a third-person Formula One racing game, and apparently it had incredible color that people minds were blown about, and uh, sprite scaling, which I don't know the exact technical details. I don't know if you do, Austin, but I know it makes it. It, it gives the perspective that the car is actually moving forward. Like most of the games are like is that top. like moving the other image kind of around it. Yeah, or? I guess so. Like you, if you look back, you know what I'm talking about. It makes it look like it's more moving towards you while the car is kind of staying okay. still. So they're like giving it kind of a sense of speed, really. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, Versus like top down racing games had been. Yeah. Or top down was like the norm at that time. Yeah. Um, and they also made a game called Zaxxon in that 1982. Yeah, it's an arcade shoot 'em up, and that's the first ever game to use the isometric viewpoint. There's some huge innovations uh, already. Yeah. In this. yeah. Um, in the arcade industry, Sega was the number one forever. So Sega buys Gremlin, and they make a bunch of dumb name changes, like Gremlin Sega, Sega Gremlin. How do they? Grega. Isn't it like, like a hassle <laughs> to change your company names? And they've done it like twenty oh, yeah, times. Oh yeah, like, times. Yeah. Like, um, they eventually land on <laughs> Sega Electronics, and then it's sold to Bally Midway a year later. <laughs> Um, so, wait, is time, Bally Midway any relation to Midway? Or am I, yes. Really? Okay, <laughs> yeah. all right. It is the Midway, but at this point, they're, like, still making, like, they're just a manufacturer. Like, they'll make, like, tables if you ask them to. Like, right. question. <laughs> Bally's. Did the pinball people also make exercise machines? Probably. Maybe. I mean, dude, there's so much of that shit in the <laughs> 70s where, like, and even up into the 80s, where like people weren't really specific. Like you could just be like, "Yeah, yeah we make pianos well, oh, and, totally. uh, and so LSD." Not, <laughs> <laughs> not to go off on a weird like, but like I've been watching like weird YouTube documentaries about gaming from the like a little past this era, but around this time. It was the Wild West for, like, electronic companies. They would pair off and do weird partnerships all the time. Like, Sega would be like, I don't know, like, what if we team up with this company that makes CD players and then we make a portable Genesis with the screen on it, maybe? Or, (laughs) and, and Sony, and, like, Nintendo will be like, what if we teamed up with this TV manufacturer and then instead of a VCR on your TV, it's an NES? Like, (laughs) and then they'll make, like, 
500 of them and be like, ah, <laughs> and, then, like, and, then, like and then have another weird partnership a year later. They're like, I don't know. What if this game ran on satellites? You're like, what? Like, it does, it's so weird. Yeah. Like, like but, Sega made like a thousand iterations of all their products. Oh, yeah. Like, this is another thing. It's amazing at this like, time. Like, I forget how like they're literally like it's 50 versions of every console. Like you think the Xbox, Xbox One X, Xbox One X yeah, you think is that's bad The now. DS and stuff is like, confusing. It's, yeah. It was way worse back then. Yeah. So, yeah, that is the same Bally Midway, but they're not even close to being right of the midway that, that we would yeah later know um but a year later they're but uh, you're totally right though like from this era there was a lot of like oh, we yeah. make pinball machines and yeah. lounge chairs and <laughs> yeah. you know uh, weather vanes so a year later they're shut down during the video game crash we do, do yeah. We've referenced it a lot, but we will definitely do one. So they were shut down completely. The Golf Western didn't own them. Bally Midway bought them, like I said. Okay. They were shut down. So David Rosen, um, a guy named Hayo Nakayama from a company called mm-hmm. Esco Buiki or Buki. It's some company that Sega bought in the 70s. And Isao Okawa, who's the chairman <coughs> of another Japanese business uh, service conglomerate called CSK. They're just another one of those big, like, holding, holding groups. Versions. Okay, yeah. The three of them purchased Sega Enterprises in Japan back from Gulf Western. So now Sega is headquartered in Japan for the first time in, like, a decade, and that's kind of where its headquarters okay. stays, even to <coughs> this day, even yeah. though there is Sega of America or Sega Soft eventually and all that stuff, but... Well, that's the interesting thing about this story is like when you were talking about this, it's like in many people's minds and even and myself included, it's just you think of Sega being a like strictly Japanese company. Oh, yeah, like absolutely. you think that that was just kind of always what and they this represented. Is, this is also <laughs> a thing in Japan where a lot of companies will just like have their fingers and everything. Like a lot of companies are holding companies. A lot of people don't know Sega still a holdings company. Yeah, it's called what is it? Sega, Sega Sammy. Some, Sega Sammy, like because holding they, group or they merged or with another company called Sammy that made pachinko machines. Of course. But like <laughs> you like you know you're like oh man um, well fucking Mitsubishi is like they make terrible cars. They're shut down. They're gonna stop making cars. It's like they also make orange juice and own a bunch of like. Well, it's not like Kana- yeah. Konami as well. Yeah, Konami as, owns yeah. like health clubs in Japan. Yeah, and, yeah. They, they were talking about uh, the one podcast. They were saying it was weird because they were recently in Japan and they were saying that like they also Konami has like a brand of. I guess people that work in the like some sort of service industry for just like appliances. So they just saw like repair trucks with the big Konami logo, mm-hmm. like driving around. <laughs> it's like, that's so weird. <laughs> yeah, like, right. It's like McDonald's vacuums. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's just not the dystopia we wanted, but it's the dystopia we have. <laughs> I, that would be, imagine though, like that would be a fun world if all the companies we knew just made whatever the fuck they felt like it constantly. Yeah. All right. So in 1982, <laughs> good year. Sega begins its adventure. Year you were born. <laughs> yeah, but it almost 10 years later. <laughs> um, so Sega begins its adventure into the world of video game consoles. Their first ever thing they do is a deal to exclusively distribute ColecoVision in Japan. And that oh, weird. Fails. I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> well, that's why, because it never happened. Oh, it never happened? It okay. immediately fails. All right. But that's okay, because Sega's like, like company, hey, we're going to make our own console. And they do. On July 15th, they released their first console, video game and home consoles in the world, the SG-1000. This is weird because, like, the people, this console, like, you know how people refer to the NES as the Nintendo? Yeah. Like, this console, the way it looks and branded is, it's like, it's like, that's the Sega. Oh, yeah. it's weird because it's like... It almost looks like an old tape player. Yeah, definitely Um, So, the only other thing that was released that day... It was the Nintendo Family Computer. Wait, that was the same day? Same day. <laughs> the or NES? the NES. Yeah, what? Which, uh, <laughs> if you know anything about video games or anything Fuck, that's about rough. culture, <laughs> that's a rough first day. So that's, Sega hit yeah. the ground running. Yeah. Um, the SG-1000 doesn't even come close. Yeah. The, the NES is the NES. What was I mean, it, what was it priced set. at? Was it competitively? Like, do you know? Yeah, the, they were pretty much priced pretty like around the same. the same thing. It's all yen yeah. until it gets to America, and at that point, the prices are so convoluted. I guess, I mean, the um, NG-1000 didn't have that, to reference our Halo episode, that killer app, like, it, with, like the NES launched with recognizable yeah. games. 
Like Donkey Kong and stuff. So. Um, so, despite the rocky start, Sega survives because they have a bunch of arcade clout. There has and, to be a Tetris uh, on that thing. What's up? <laughs> Not nothing. Nah. Uh, they have a bunch of arcade uh, clout, so they actually managed to survive a little bit. And they also had a pretty successful release of one of their in-home computers called the SC3000 in Australia. Which In Australia and New Zealand, they made a decent home computer sure, that survived. Okay. Huh. Uh, and they also made the Robo Pitcher toy, which is literally one of those like pitching machine toys. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah, just like yeah. throws baseballs <laughs> at you. Um, yeah, so... Sega, Sega tried to incorporate some of that stuff into games, too. Oh, they yeah. had like weird peripherals <laughs> that like used real-world stuff. Oh, they're the king of peripherals. I know, they're so later dumb. Um, they're like, what can you wear while playing a game, or how can we make you look stupid? So they managed to get a decent foothold in the Japanese toy market and stay alive. Enough to, yeah, keep Enough to, Sucking. in 1985, finally make a name for themselves. They released their third in-home system, because there's an SG-1002. Oh, is there an iteration which, on yeah, it? Yeah, it's is... an SG-1002. It's literally just like a slightly better, but not really okay. kind of the version. <laughs> Sega, also real big on iterations. <laughs> their uh, third in-home system, the Sega Master System. Mm, um, mm. And in Japan and America, the Master System wasn't able to compete with Nintendo. No. <laughs> because the NES was still the biggest fucking thing on Earth. Oh, dude. yeah. Especially Every, by 1985. Like, yeah. at this point, they had, what, three or four years to put out you know, and invent Mario and Donkey Kong <laughs> yeah. and so, all these freaking characters. Yeah, the SG one thousand was that wasn't in America. Uh, it was later. I think, I it, like yeah, later. I think it did Usually eventually. They stagger by eight least. months to a year, like okay. pretty consistently. You saw that a lot back then because I never heard of that thing. If it was, it it's, was it's, absolutely it's, shrouded you, you by the NES. You might recognize it by a picture because it's literally like this white-looking, like '80s grill thing, and and just says Sega real big on it. Yeah, like, if you like, look, oh, yeah. yeah, see, it looks like an old-school tape deck. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, they made they made two versions. They made the SG one thousand two and the Sega Mark three. And the Mark three, yeah, yeah, which is the third. Re- the Mark three was actually like a like a port of one of their arcade boards. Like they tried to bring some of their arcade board tech into it. Oh shit! I don't know if these were ever released outside of Japan. Maybe they were. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to tell. This was a really weird era. It, people were really just trying to figure out what to do. All right, so um, they did. Sorry, no, sorry. <laughs> um, in Japan and America, the Master System really didn't compete. Um, and in Europe, even though they actually bankrupted one company and got two others to blacklist them, they still managed to be successful due to the fact that Nintendo wasn't successful in yeah. Europe. Uh, they actually they bankrupted the company because there was a bunch of distribution issues where they're like, we'll help you, and they like put out a bunch of money to distribute ahead of time, and then like Sega didn't deliver, and the company had to file bankruptcy. Yeah. Um, and like, <laughs> they did it to two other companies who just were like, fuck Sega, never again. And the Master System did you know, made it here pretty quickly. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I so, don't think the SG-1000. It either. was okay in Europe. NES was destroying in America and Japan, mm-hmm. but for some reason, interesting this tidbit, is weird. Yeah. <laughs> the Master System saw most of its success in Brazil. Um, there it was released in 1989, so it's that four years after. Was there it a was, FIFA game it on it? It was incredibly, yes, yes. <laughs> it was incredibly popular. Um, for what I could find, I found it on like some Portuguese website. I had to keep like Google Translating <laughs> Translate, to find yeah. this. Um, from what I could find, it was the world's longest lived console ever. The Master System because of Brazil. <laughs> a company called Tectoy, which is a Brazilian-based company, um, say that they were still producing them in some version or another in 2015. <laughs> what? I want one. Yeah. Let's buy in one. In 2015, they were still making one. And oh apparently, the systems in Brazil were outselling the PlayStation 4 Xbox One <laughs> and all those major Why? consoles what? in Brazil. <laughs> the Master System. We're talking like the black old Man, 1985 They're, they're going to lose their minds when the Genesis comes yeah, out there. Really. <laughs> With, like, is there, was there some thing that these things did that like we don't know about yet? I, dude, I don't know. Turns dude. out if you take it apart, you can like get free internet and cook <laughs> meth on it. Yeah, I, I don't, it's just huge in Brazil. So, yeah, there's 2015. A, there's so an interesting, you know, uh, Drew Scanlon? from Giant Bomb. Of course. I met him. The Cloth Map did a video on the gaming market in Brazil and there's like this whole illegal market of people still making like 8-bit games there. Uh, yeah, That's that so was a big thing in like, that. Like they're making like did they 8-bit have an, versions they, of Guitar Hero and well, shit. Well, they have like a, a ban that like, like, you know, China had a ban on home consoles till like... They have a weird thing with importing stuff. 
There's like it costs um, a lot of like money. an Xbox oh, really? 360 costs four hundred dollars here. I think it was like two thousand in Brazil. Holy yeah, the import so I guess th- this like is something that they could manufacture locally cheap. Well, yeah, enough well, Tech not Toy to didn't actually. They manufactured it and built it and all. It was kind of almost like a reverse engineering. It wasn't like oh. it wasn't like the actual thing. But so it was like enough. the patents expire on o- those parts. Like well, no, Sega was okay with it because okay. they were still making residuals from right. all of. Well, that. I guess there are a lot of Sega consoles. Like there are weird iterations of the Genesis and stuff like that, and the CD. And, and what and Saturn that were like made by different companies. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, and they all, the all look aesthetically different yeah. and like were sold at different yeah. prices. If they could it's... get distributors to make them. This yeah. is how it was in that time. It's we just weird. You don't see that anymore. Imagine if there were like it's... twenty different versions of the PS4 all made by different yeah. manufacturers. It's because at this time a global supply chain wasn't a thing. Like you couldn't just like right, ship yeah. a fucking thing halfway across the earth in like a day and be like put I mean? this on the shelf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man. So, by 1987, they had 40,000 arcade cabinets worldwide. They were doing pretty good in the arcade industry, and they actually had knocked off the Titans Atari. Oh, man. It became the second most popular in-home console in the world. Pretty much almost on the backs of Brazil and a little bit in Europe. That's so funny. That's yeah. so weird. Like yeah. the and, and because the only other competition was the NES. Yeah, yeah. So, of course. Well, you didn't have a lot of options. It's not, <laughs> you know. All right. So, Sega's finally hitting their stride. On October 29th, 1988, they put out their next console, mm-hmm. the Sega Mega Drive. And Nintendo being the dicks of the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's released in Japan one week after Super Mario Brothers 3. <laughs> so, uh, as I say many times in this, the crowd goes miles in Japan. Mario Brothers 3, that's my favorite one. As I wrote, there's pizza shit it. mobsters in Nintendo. They had all the developers in their back pockets with exclusive deals. Yeah, And the yeah. NES had a gigantic market share. And behind them was NEC's PC engine. So Sega really didn't have a lot of room to move in there. Yeah, especially um, without all the like like all the uh, partnerships and stuff yeah. with yeah. Oh, and Nintendo had everything down. And once again, Super Mario Bros. just came out. This yeah. is a consistent theme that shows up throughout this entire story. Is Sega puts out a pretty decent product that by all standards should be should good. Should be able to compete. And then some other day that week, <laughs> like, you know, the fucking nah, the moon landing happens next door. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they just yeah. can't fucking win. <laughs> but actually, they didn't do all that bad because Capcom and Namco had a decent amount of arcade ports they put on the Mega Drive. So they all stayed right. at third place in Japan behind PCs and NES. Kudos on them and I having that third party stuff. That I mean, third place is like. Could have it's essentially last place at this time period. You know what I mean? <laughs> wow, wow. There's really not that many people behind them. Uh, anyway, I guess we didn't get to the multimedia stage yet, where you had like the CDI and the 3DO and all that. No, that's coming Amiga up. Amiga and all that crap. Yeah. So the real success of the Mega Drive comes from North America. Mm-hmm. Here it was known as the Sega Genesis, yeah. and that's what most people know it as. Like, I mean, unless if you like games, you'll know it as the Mega Drive. But the Genesis yeah. is the shit. Mm-hmm. I had a Genesis. Fucking things were awesome. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love I, it. So it's like the Famicom and the Super Famicom. I always, in my mind, pictured them being different things because they look so aesthetically different. Yeah. Like, like the Mega Drive does not look like the Genesis. No. Like, the Genesis, like, totally looks like the... And it's also... They, they designed the console with, like, a rounded top. I know, I so, love yeah, that rounded so top. It's like, it, they, Once again, though, the Mega Drive looks cooler than the Genesis. It just does. like the Famicom Just like the Famicom looks cooler. Oh, yeah, yeah. The That's Japanese good. aesthetic. The yeah. 80s Japanese tech is my it's favorite red. aesthetic. Yes, yeah. it's very There's not cool. to get off, but there's a machine at my work that has like Robotech slash Japanese 80s oh, like tech that's so good. and I <laughs> love it dude it looks so fucking so cool so it's funny I actually uh, growing up and I know me and Austin have references in previous episodes but I never had a Genesis I was a, uh, the Super Nintendo kid and then I was friends with a neighbor that had Genesis so we just went over each other's houses yeah. she had the Genesis I had the uh, the the Super Nintendo, and we would just like exchange, you know, like back and forth. Like that's sometimes awesome. we would borrow each other's consoles yeah. and stuff. See, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, and uh, and I and I did like the Genesis, despite the fact that like I know like we have probably dogged on it just because it's not the Super <laughs> I, Nintendo. I make but... jokes a lot about how growing up I never had any Nintendo products because the Nintendo sixty four was my first Nintendo yeah, product. That's so crazy to me. But yeah. I had a Genesis, and I had a Genesis for a long time. And as much as I missed a lot of really good games on Nintendo consoles, because I didn't know any neighbors that had Nintendos, 
The Genesis fucking ruled. It did. It absolutely ruled. And it's funny, I didn't get into the playground fights with Sega versus Nintendo. It, it wasn't until, well, like, the... the playground fights were happening at the top of the corporate structure. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that too, but I mean, like, I, I know, like, back, there was this kind of idea that back then, like, you were a Genesis kid or a Super Nintendo kid, but the com- that competitive nature didn't, I think to we me, were, I think come we were until, too young maybe. at the time. Yeah, you don't, you don't think that way when you're, Yeah, like, I mean, that it came young. out in 88, so, like, yeah. <laughs> by the time, like, we were all playing it, we were, you know, probably five, six, seven kind of <laughs> there, so. I and mean, already been a little bit older at the, that point. The other thing, too, is, like, I, I guess maybe you, you saw that more around, like, PS1 and N64 and yeah. then PS2, GameCube, Xbox, but. All right, so, yeah. um, the, the Genesis actually wasn't distributed by Sega of America, because <laughs> Sega of America kind of just started, and they were pretty inexperienced, so another inexperienced company took the reins on that. <laughs> Tonka. Like the trucks. Yes, like the actual truck <laughs> company. The people who made trucks distributed the Genesis what in the America. Fuck? They had a huge market share, or sorry, Nintendo had a huge market share. So Sega thought, like, fuck it, Tonka's a huge American toy company. Don't yeah. have decent luck distributing it because, you know, they have a ground yeah, over yeah, in America. Yeah, yeah, well, sure. they were wrong. Uh, well, <laughs> never mind. Tonka did not do a good job. Uh, so they looked Donker. elsewhere. David Rosen, who was still Sega's co-president at this time, guy who originally helped bring it all together, mm. he met with the CEO of the Atari Corporation, Jack Tramiel Ooh. or Tramiel. I keep reading his Tamriel when I was like going back <laughs> over it. Um, and the president of Atari Entertainment Electronic Division, Michael Katz. They tried to strike a deal in 1989. Tramiel denied the deal because the pricing on the system. The only thing to come out of the deal is that Michael Katz, who would be hired as the CEO of Sega of America and eventually oversee the release of the Genesis later that year, Katz oh, this is put forth where a the two-part got. plan. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't priced that, like, you know. Like. Yeah, uh, that's con- also a consistent problem, is that yeah. they keep saying that Americans won't buy expensive tech, and they keep wanting to lower the price and lower the price and lower right, the price. right, right. So his two-part plan. One was to market the Genesis as an in-home arcade experience and attack Nintendo (laughs) with six slogans I found, like, Genesis does what Nintendo don't. (laughs) Yeah, they were really fucking winners back then. I think I made a joke about that. The extreme era. I think it was the ESRB one when you were talking about that fight. Yeah, Yeah. It's pretty good because they marketed their stuff as being the family kind of thing, even though it's not true. They still publish plenty of, like, er, er, not publish, but you know what I mean? They still allow and well, as you find out later, Sega constantly tries to find a marketing edge. Sometimes even be like, "We're the edgy system." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which comes into play later. There they were, but but they would totally be like, "We're gonna go after the older market," like because the arcades also at this time were more popular with people our age. Yeah, like they were popular hangout and drinking, like smoking spots than little kids. All right, so. Part two, Nintendo owned most of the rights to the arcade titles, so they needed to develop games with recognizable likenesses, like Arnold Palmer Golf (laughs) Tournament, um, Joe Montana Football, and uh, from the star of Leaving Neverland, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. (laughs) Do you remember that game you're saving little kids from, like... Don't you put them in your car and take them to the mansion at the end and there's like a party? I I, I don't know. That, that, I think that was a nightmare you had. No, I, <laughs> no, I literally think that game, like Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, it's like the smooth criminal music video, but you're saving children. I don't know. I remember they had a, a button where you could like crotch thrust and go, hey. Yeah, <laughs> they did. Yeah. All right, so at I'm the time, sure everyone's children. favorite EA approached Sega, oh, yeah. and they assumed since Sega had no third-party support that they would get a decent deal. They were like, hey, we have games, including, you know, at the time, the, you know, upcoming football game that they eventually get known for later. John um, Madden. Sega had football. no partners, but Sega wanted to be Nintendo. They wanted exclusive Who deals. Yeah. <laughs> they wanted exclusive deals with all their developers because they saw what Nintendo did with that. So, oh. like, hey, for our platform only, like, yeah, we want. Exactly. Yeah. So they told EA. CCO Bing Gordon, great name, uh, <laughs> that they were going to be as big as Nintendo, so they're not backing down on this deal. And uh, after a year of back and forth talks, Sega executive apparently told Bing Gordon, "Quote: If you want a different deal, you're gonna have to reverse engineer the system, aren't you?" <laughs> So, through an incredibly convoluted legal and technical process, because they had to go through a bunch of weird, like, patent shit and all that stuff, two very talented engineers at EA reverse-engineered the Genesis. Fucking A, jeez. And now, they had time for their play. This is so fucked up, 
but it's classic <laughs> EA, and <laughs> it's also kind of badass, to be yeah. honest, at the time. So at CES 1990, EA booked a booth the night before... <laughs> Okay, the event. And EA Trip Hawkins, who um, uh, he was one of the, he was an engineer. He didn't work on the reverse engineering, but he was a pretty big engineer like Okay. He was kind of one of those guys who's in a role of like engineer leadership kind of thing, like tech expertise, but he's kind okay. of like a liaison between like the heads. I've heard and the I've definitely heard that name yeah, before. I have too. He met with Hayao Nakayama, who was Sega's president mm-hmm. from earlier, yeah. and he delivered the news of the reverse engineering. He said they'd run their own licensing program if Sega didn't agree to their terms. <laughs> So, well, <laughs> yeah. So Sega was caught in an awkward spot, and they uh, reluctantly had to agree. EA could manufacture their own cartridges because of this. If you remember, they had yellow bands. Yes, on right. Them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they got the uh, they got the rights to manufacture their own cartridges, make as many games as they wanted, and they had higher royalty rates than anybody else oh. in developing it. That. And then CES the next day, there was a full display of EA games <laughs> running on the Genesis. <laughs> Holy so, shit. So, actually, I read an interview. According to the engineers and Gordon, they actually hadn't fully reverse engineered the Genesis. Oh. They thought they did. Sega could still lock them out um, <laughs> before, but it was too late. Like, they had already, they had the confidence, so Sega caved oh, and they man. got the deal. <laughs> um, and then EA's first two titles were released. This was fucking crazy. I didn't know this. Yeah. And we covered this game on a <laughs> yeah. previous episode. P- Peter Molyneux's Populous, which we talked about. Yeah, we, I had to look it up because I was like, am I in the right we, thing? Like, I didn't know yeah, this. Like, I, which I guess was a port of the PC mm-hmm. version? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I had Weird. to look it up. I was like, wait, what? That, that yeah, like, we talked about this. Yeah. F- yeah. And uh, Budokan, 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 uh, the Budokan. Martial Budokan. Spirit, um, which I didn't look into because I never heard of it. So I figured it was dumb. Is it a fighting game? <laughs> it's probably a fighting game. It sounds game. like a fighting game. If oh, anything rules the 80s, it's yeah. fighting games and racing games. That's they, true. Like, set and that doesn't pace. sound like a racing game. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Austin's going to find out that it's like a matchup three game or something. What was it called? The Martial Spirit? What a yeah. dumb name. <laughs> Budokan, the Martial Spirit. Mojang. Yeah, it's a fighting Child. game. <laughs> Is it a fighting game? Mm-hmm. So, is, is it is it sprites? Is it photos of people? It's sprites. Okay. So uh, both yeah, companies continued to benefit from the deal, and yeah, they they it is kind of a shitty backroom kind of last minute little, yeah. uh, gamble slash uh, in like. Hold on, real quick. Uh-oh. Oh, there's a, this is a very short Wikipedia entry for Budokan the Martial Spirit. <laughs> okay. The only thing I found reception in December 1991 edition of Game Pro magazine, Budokan is cited as one of the worst games of 1991. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> solved. Hey, well, uh, both solved. companies continue to benefit. They did even more around the holiday when John Madden's football came oh, out man. at the end of 1990. Yeah, this is the first Madden and. If there's any consolation, I like, think it's the only one that he has ever like actually been a part of the production of, yeah. or something. You ever see the box art, by the way? Oh, it's yeah. like a very it's confused looking John Madden. On the What's co- a video game? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Um, that impacted sports gaming forever. Oh yeah. Um, and the sports gaming, that popularity would set the stage that for the meant Genesis. The world, yeah, like in America, your platform had the sports game. I mean, the Genesis was also known for having tons of great, like that's where the NHL. And yeah. Yeah. NHL, well, yeah. You know, you know why the, I had a Genesis? NHL, 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 94, 94, 94, the best yeah. sports is, game dude, ever absolutely. made. And, <laughs> but that was a thing in America um, yeah. because all this success wasn't good enough for Japan. Yeah, well, I mean, Madden's not gonna sell in yeah. Japan. <laughs> uh, the console sales didn't meet the numbers. Michael Katz was fired and replaced with Tom Kalinske. Tom Kalinske. Tom Kalinske, who came up in our... Didn't he? Which one? Did oh, Tom yes. Kalinske in come the up ESRB? in the yeah, ESRB absolutely. one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, okay. because, you know, I mean, it, it ties in pretty spectacularly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tom Kalinske's also a great character, and we'll, we'll see yeah. as it goes forward. Kalinsky had a four-point plan. Ooh, well, that's two more than the last guy. <laughs> I literally wrote that joke in. That's two more than cats. <laughs> um, he was a believer in what they called the razor and blades business plan. <laughs> yeah, I had to look. I had to look it up. So it means you sell one product at a low cost or yeah. almost give it away for oh, free yeah. and you rely on the extra things that go with it to increase the sales. That, I like, think that's you, you isn't that what like a lot of movie uh, production companies do? A I lot think? of consoles do this period. Yeah. They rely on hardware, especially in this time. Oh, um, yeah. Software is where they made the oh, money. Oh yeah, yeah. That's like I know ever, like they're yeah. like hey like we'll take this at a loss but we're going to sell subscriptions and yeah, like exactly. you know games. Yeah. And- so the plan was this. 
Expand the aggressive marketing. You know, give some more Nintendo. <laughs> Be even out there. more nineties than they <laughs> already are. Yeah, Genesis does what Nintendo don't do. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, we put flames on all the consoles. <laughs> Uh, develop more games for an American audience, yeah. which meant more sports games and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Lower the cost of the console, and then replace the game currently being bundled with the Genesis, a title yeah. called Altered Beast. Which is not a great game. <laughs> no. you know, it, it, it does have that pretty good vocal sample of Rise from Your Grave in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Rise uh, from Your Grave. <laughs> so they replace it with a new game. In 1991, Sega released that new game. Oh, yeah. Whose main character was designed to be the Mario of Sega. <laughs> Everyone's favorite, Blue. Uh, Randall, do you want to say it? I know you like, uh, every time we bring him up, you say. Sonic the Hedgehog? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sonic yeah. the Hedgehog. So, okay, side note. Um, Polygon has a series of videos called Unraveled. And there's one called The Sonic Bible, where the guy got a hold of the document. <laughs> yeah, I live by the Sonic Bible. He got a hold of the document that Sega of Japan sent to Sega of America about what Sonic was supposed to be. <laughs> Is like, that, well, yeah, that's where they found it. He was supposed to have a human girlfriend from yeah, the beginning they, and stuff they, like they that. Were like, they were yeah. like, hey... We need a Mario, literally. Like, that was the plan. Yeah, and they yeah. sent them this document. And the document's like, yeah, he's from, like, Nebraska. And he's <laughs> on the track team. And <laughs> Dr. Robotnik is a local scientist who's trying to end global warming oh or something. God. And then, like... I hope this all comes into Sonic, play in that live-action movie he- coming out this year. Sonic, he- Sonic the Hedgehog's <laughs> dad falls into a toxic vat of acid <laughs> and is burned alive. So then Sonic and his family Lord. have to subsist on trash. And then Sonic helps work... <laughs> Helps Dr. Robotnik. Uh, this is a fever like, dream. With his experiments, but then Dr. Robotnik creates the Chaos Emeralds to try to rid the world of chaos, but then it turns him into Eggman, and then he. Or, no. What, he is Eggman, and then at he gets what point does Mean Robotnik, Bean Machine come in? And Sonic's on the track team, and like all the old ladies use his spikes on his back to sew quilts for the local. What? Kids. <laughs> like, I swear to God, this oh is all God. true. It's fucking hilarious. If I you, take it back. I, I if love you Sonic. Seen and that everything. video. This is watch it. It is holy phenomenal. Shit. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh man. All right. So Sonic the Hedgehog usurps Alex Kidd. Yeah, Alex Kidd. Uh, who right in the su- dumpster. Who is supposedly the original uh, Mario replacement mascot? Yeah. And he also usurped most disappointing live action adaptation of a blue <laughs> character, which was uh, Will Smith's genie is the other one. <laughs> oh. So the Genesis it blew the fuck up in America. It outsold the Super Nintendo two to one. Yeah. That's insane. More like the about. stupid Nintendo, Dude, right? Yeah. Oh my right. God. Stupid <laughs> Nintendo Entertainment yeah. System. In yeah. America, in we're America. idiots. No, in, in Japan, obviously. Listen, um, I, I, went I, think, I think worldwide they ended up being extremely close to each other. I don't, oh, yeah. I don't even remember. I went back and played Mortal Kombat and NHL 94 on this. Yeah, they're still great. No, they're oh, garbage. No, I, saw, yeah. I thought you were going to say the Genesis. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. So on the, on the, the Genesis, they're, they're trash. Like it's a trash console. Earlier, the Genesis was considered an edgy system among oh, kids. Yeah, well, I was an edgy kid. <laughs> kids, you know, kids who like putting in the Mortal Kombat Whatever. blood code. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> also, um, this is bullshit. Yeah, my Genesis are... came with a copy of NCAA football. <laughs> that does Sonic. suck. Yeah, yeah. No. yeah. that is rough. <laughs> but yeah, all Sonic. these plans. This is all good plans from Tom Kalinske. You know what I mean? Yeah. Lower the they, price. They, create. They get Sonic get in this, there. Like the third party support and yeah, everything. Because that's, that's the thing. Like we do joke, but it's like the funny thing is, it's like I think by and large there are probably much better games on the Super Nintendo. But all the the games that released on both, the, the consistently the Genesis version was usually better. Oh yeah, it usually yeah. sounded better. And it, it's like all sound <clears throat> tech is. Uh, I didn't have time to like put in all this great engineer that was knowledge, a huge but like sound design was absolutely like, really really sought after at sega like they had yeah. really good engineers and uh, hey that console had a fucking headphone jack yeah. and a volume slider on it all right so all this showed the success they sold over 40 million units worldwide they competed with the That's nes the snes the neo geo the atari jaguar and the turbo, turbo graphics 16 yeah. and a number of other in-home consoles and computers and one of the largest console wars of all time which maybe one day we'll get into the console war if they were more fun back then because you had like yeah. all these companies throwing their hats into the oh, ring it was a fucking it was a wild west <laughs> yeah. dude it really was like you said earlier <laughs> 
So, this is one of my favorite uh, little statistics I found. The Genesis had the highest software to hardware attach ratio of all time. Is that still true? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. 16 games That's per console really on average. Good. Yeah. That's insane, dude. I mean, different nowadays, yeah. I have like 70 games for my Xbox, you oh, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But like, I know like a, a lot of times. This is a time like, when there was like, there was 17 games. So, you know. Yeah, because I mean, that's the thing. Like, you think about consoles that sold stupid amounts, like the DS and the Wii and stuff like that. But a lot of times people will they'll buy a Wii and play Wii Sports and never buy anything yeah, else. So they absolutely. had really small tech rates. On, this, that's why I'm saying that yeah. it still holds as the totally. average. Yeah, uh, but then number. you hear about consoles like the Vita that didn't sell very well, but everybody who owns one is like a super passionate fan. Oh, that yeah, buys absolutely. Like a bunch of games. This is not a surprising uh, revelation because of some of these titles I list off. Echo the Dolphin, Street yeah. Fighter, ending boss yeah. scary. <laughs> Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat 2, um, Jurassic Park, Lost Jurassic World. Park, when yeah. I saw the yeah. picture, from, I was like scrolling through like Sega Genesis games, and I saw the picture like, for oh, Jurassic shit. Park, Lost World. I was like, "Fuck!" And I was getting like a weird like memory flash. Yeah. Like it just fucked me up. Sonic, Sonic 2, Earthworm Jim, NBA Jam. Yeah. Like fuck, NBA Jam was these, so good. Yeah. Um, I played that on the SNES. I didn't write down the NHL. I didn't know why. I didn't even think about it. The NHL, Toe Jam, and Earl. And FIFA. Then there was mm-hmm. a number more. So, was I mean, was Street Fighter more like Mortal Kombat? Was definitely like people prioritized the Genesis version. But was Street Fighter th- that competitive? Street Fighter was only better on the Genesis for the simple reason that. But Turbo came out on both and everything. All yeah, the, uh, I had Championship <laughs> Edition of okay. Street Fighter Two on Genesis. And because I had the six button controller. You're right. Yeah, yeah. that made that probably. Always yeah, the number one think, in the fighting game community. I think, the, I think community for Street Fighter, the SNES version was better selling. And for Mortal Kombat, the Genesis version was okay. better yeah, selling. Yeah, because um, Mortal Kombat didn't have... It was just sweat, remember? It Nintendo. was, it was blue sweat. There was no yeah. blood. So a lot yeah. of that's why they were like, hey, we got Mortal Kombat. Speaking of which, almost grosser. Uh, <laughs> we had a birthday party yesterday, and we there was a Mortal Kombat 2 arcade machine there, and I beat mm-hmm. Randy twice. <laughs> Just so that's, that's on the record yeah. of public knowledge. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I beat you on 11 last night. Yeah, she did. <laughs> so uh, all that success was enough to keep the Super Nintendo at bay, at least for a little while. Mm-hmm. But Genesis risked being outpaced in technology. So there were whispers of a new console that were emerging oh, no. as early as 1991. Also, you didn't mention all those Disney games. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Aladdin is, and Lion King were better on the Genesis. Come at they me. They were. <laughs> um, the Sega was going to attempt to leapfrog the competition. This is something now. they try Three times. <laughs> I don't get it, dude. T- I know. They it's try so weird. Every time they try, they fail and really they keep bad. going. Okay. They're not going to try to leapfrog the competition yet because they're going to go all Sega and make a huge <laughs> mistake. Many thought Sega was going to release a 3.5-inch floppy disk attachment for the Genesis. Why would uh, that have been something? Ahead of the times. Yeah, you got to yeah. see that thing. <laughs> um, it's, it's incredible. Um, but while they were all about that project for a while, it was eventually scrapped for the real technology of the future. But CD-ROM. But, oh, shit. Because there was a, a lot of weird attachments for the Genesis. Because the console would be like this little, you know, rounded box. And then eventually you could just slap tower all this. Of shit yeah, so it would just be like this shit on top and another shit hooked onto the right side something on the back and then like yeah. the le- and then eventually it looks like this big like <laughs> almost like toy gi joe army base <laughs> yeah. like, absolutely yeah, you, you got really the floppy disk attachment looks brilliant it looks like a smokestack tower like <laughs> hanging course. off the side hold on <laughs> i got it can you see this randy you know what yeah Oh, <laughs> that's the wow. floppy drive. Yeah, I'm thinking really... of the modem they had. Oh, they yeah. did have a modem, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they had like a service that ran for a little while yeah. where you could rent games and stuff through it. So, in December of 1991... So wait, tell us about these CDs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, in December of 1991, Sega releases the Sega Mega CD mm-hmm. in Japan. And it sold well early, but within the first few months, the sales dropped dramatically. Yeah, that thing was, the price was yeah. far too high, and there was far too little software to support it. In the end, there um, wasn't a lot of games that did. There, no. there was a pretty like low, like all a lot of them launched out at once, and then they like. Well, yeah, you're talking about like the new technology. Yeah. PC was struggling to catch up with programming the, yeah, for discs totally. at this time. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Like most games were on cartridges. Yeah. You know? So Namco. There were some arcade ports. I yeah. Think, Namco yeah. was responsible for a lot of the arcade ports. Yeah, um, yeah. There's another company called Data East. I didn't find anything. Yes. Oh, yeah. They like, made Windjammers. They did make Windjammers. Yes. <laughs> so Data East contributed a bit, but ultimately it wasn't enough in Japan. And across mm. the Pacific, Sega of America 
who had very little involvement with the development of the Sega CD. <laughs> throw their hands in the air. They decided to learn from Japan's mistakes, and they had a release date of October 92. They renamed the uh, Sega Mega CD just the Sega CD. And Tom Kalinske had Mega. another plan. <laughs> he put almost a third of the entire research and development for Sega of America to work on CD projects. Jeez. Because he didn't want the lack of software support that Right, Japan that happened in saw. Japan. Um, they marketed a lot more, including having a kid play the game called Sewer Shark. I remember that game. <laughs> on but good, based off like the toys or whatever? The I'm show? assuming Wasn't there a so, or vice versa. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, he played it on Good Morning America and the footage was broadcast to the Jumbotron in <laughs> Times Square. Oh, which I think they did that again with the Dreamcast they may have, which yeah. Cartridge like ports with better sound also, and extra that, levels. That thing probably looked like crap on like blown up on the Times yeah, Square Jumbo sure <laughs> um, they had cartridge ports onto the CD. A lot of yeah. this went through Namco. It had better yeah. sound and better levels. Partly the better sound was because the Genesis developers were, like I said, really they, good they at sound. They had a special sound um, They made right? compilation discs where they had a bunch of like different games on one disc yeah, for a yeah, price. Yeah. They really Demo. pushed FMV games. Dude, it's which, the few graphics aren't better than <laughs> yeah, the real fucking people. real life, dude. Like, <laughs> most infamously, as we oh, talked yeah. about in our ESRB episode, Night Trap yeah. was probably the most infamous Vampire uh, Slumber Party. Yeah. game. And yeah. like you said, remember Tom Kalinsky, you were saying he's involved, well, he's involved with Night Trap and all the hearing. Right, okay, that's, that's how it, that's, that's definitely how it, how it came in, in there. If you want more information on that, listen to our Whatever. ESRB and Amendment series, oh, yeah. so it's a nice little five, six-parters there. Oh, yeah, well, I guess technically, yeah, that is So, that once again, crowd goes mild. <laughs> what? <laughs> Enhanced discs were too pricey, so nobody wanted to spend extra money for ports on CD when they already yeah. had cartridges for cheaper <laughs> um fmb was a phase surprise no one <laughs> and the console itself was too pricey 300 dollars, 299 price tag and now there was the 3do and the cdi and the atari jaguar cd and the neo geo cd oh, yeah. and the pc was coming up when adopting cd tech yeah sega didn't have any sort of advantage cds um, so they decided that leapfrogging plan they were putting into play earlier before the cd they mm-hmm. wanted to get back into that and I think that's where we'll yeah. drop it on in this, this four-point uh, plan. Next episode, <laughs> right? we'll get back cool. to what they decide to do. Yeah, this is like the race is on in this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't know if you want to toss up some plugs, and then we're gonna part two will be up next week, and when we are gonna get into we'll get back into uh, what they do next. <laughs> it's a surprise spoilers. No, all uh, it and then goes into Thanos' acid explosion. <laughs> <laughs> no, they nailed it. Their next console was a hit, and don't we, no spoilers. Okay. Yeah, no spoilers. Um, <laughs> with the uh, Sega PlayStation and the Sega Switch. All right. So thanks for listening. If you want to hear more, check us out on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all that crap. Subscribe. Review us on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Hot Button Cast. Uh, we have a website, hotbuttoncast.com. Go there for all your hot button needs. There's a lot of good Photoshop pictures that I make. They're all on there. <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with the continuing saga of Sega's inst- <laughs> lengthy history of failures with one success. In home, in home console uh, bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. All right. Thanks.